Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on ITRWrestling.com, wherever you get your podcasts, or Patreon if you're a pleasure and you get it day early. My name is Kenny, I'm here with Finn Martin as always, and Finn, there is so much to cover on the main podcast and what's going down uh, with Double or Nothing that we had to we had to move Raw over here temporarily. That's it, Raw was preempted by the Westminster Dog Show. Oh no, no, that's some, sorry, I'm having 1990s flashbacks. <laughs> Um, well, listen, we've got some news to talk about. Before we do, let's talk a little bit about Raw. It wasn't exactly the most eventful episode of Raw in the world. It was the go-home show for Hell in a Cell. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we got a, a fun match with Bianca Belair and Asuka, which we got a surprising clean finish with Bianca defeating Asuka after Becky Lynch came out at the start of the show. What did you make of, uh, of this matchup? Um, yeah, I mean, Becky Lynch amused me on commentary. She said, I'm a wizard. I'm a magician. At SummerSlam, I made her title reign disappear in 26 seconds. I think that might have been a shot. Chris Jericho, what do you think, Kenny? Ever, ever so potentially, yeah. I think it could be. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed the match. It felt like they weren't going over the top. Is that they toned it down. It's a TV match. You know, this is a setup for the triple threat match at Hell in a Cell this Sunday. So they were deliberately not overdoing it in the ring. And that made sense to me. And um, Asuka went for the magistral cradle. 
Um, and then uh, Belair countered that. So it's kind of a little bit of a clumsy pin. He thought, oh, something gone wrong there. But no, that was how it was supposed to look uh, with Belair countering uh, that finish. So, I mean, that made sense to me. Lynch, who had been on commentary, of course, rushed the ring afterwards. Um, she exploded, suplexed Asuka, and then manhandled, slammed Belair, and Lynch fled in triumph as Asuka and Belair sold in the ring. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not anticipating a title change this weekend in this feud. I think Belair's going to retain. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think we're going to see Bianca retain. I think Asuka's probably going to take the pen again um on sunday so uh i think that's her her job in this feud um and it'll be interesting to see if they go back to becky and bianca which feels like there's not really any other direction they could go is becky gonna win the title back you know i think something i hope that they do is you know obviously we've heard about the women's tag title tournament and stuff happening yeah i hope they scrap it and don't bring those women's tag titles back because the women's divisions on raw and smackdown already don't have a lot of depth and when you put tag teams away, you just get rid of like, you know, the people who can get you through the TV stuff. So I hope that they just kind of ditch that and we get some more people for, you know, the Raw Women's Division and the SmackDown. So fingers Yeah, crossed. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst idea, really. I mean, they haven't stated when this title tournament is going to take place and they could leave it until the end of the year or like leave it for, for five years. <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe they could just leave it to like 2030 or something like that. So. <laughs> well, see, elsewhere on the show, we had uh, Cody Rhodes coming out <clears throat> um, to obviously talk about his Hell in a Cell match. But then um, he so he came out, he talked about it. We ended up getting an interruption by Rollins. Rollins had a great line where he talked about, you know, you used to, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it was like, you used to work here and then you and your friends went away to try and take down WWE when you failed now you've come back um, and it ended up leading to a pretty intense brawl and I've got to say going into this I was kind of like eh, you know we've talked about does it really need a third match but I thought they did a really good job here of making me want to see the third match which is what these go home shows should be about so power all the power to Cody and uh, uh, Seth here for managing to get me back into it what did you think? Yeah more power to them yeah I mean Cody was in the ring said he was going to hurt Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell. Rollins appeared in the crowd. Um, he admitted that he didn't want Rhodes in the w- in WWE. Uh, Rollins said that uh, he was going to end Rhodes at Hell in a Cell, and then we could all wake up from this American nightmare. I thought that was a really good line as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhodes challenged Rollins to face him there, and then uh, Rollins walked, down to walk down the steps, got to the barrier, you know, intimated that he was going to fight Rhodes and then, you know, decided that, you know, I'll see you Sunday. And then Rhodes went after Rollins, had fought through the crowd around ringside. He had all the agents out. It was like spot the agent, wasn't it? Spot the producer. <laughs> we had Pete Williams, we had Davari, we had Adam Pierce. That was Michael McGillicutty as well, I saw. Well, I mean, look, that guy probably wasn't getting his door battered down for job offers, so probably, probably did the right deci- made the right well, decision. Well, exactly. You become a producer, you're an employee, so you get all your dental care, you get health insurance, you get all the benefits because you're an employee, not an independent contractor. Yeah. So there's a hell of a lot to be said for being a producer. And he was always very well respected backstage as Michael McGillicott. He was somebody who... You know, work people work to get work with uh, celebs or work with part timers and help them get in shape and uh, 
work on matches, you know, laying things out. So he was somebody who always, uh, was always viewed many years ago as someone who had a really good head for the business. So, yeah, but they, they, they went at it and they were pulled apart. They went at it, they pulled apart again, they went at it again and pulled apart again. So it was like the proper main event pull apart brawl. And I think with this, in the amount of minutes that they dedicate to this, the amount of producers that he sent out there to pull them apart and the amount of brawls they had, and the fans were really into it by the end. I think we can assume, Kenny, that this match is going on last at Hell in a Cell. Feels, yes. like main, feels like a main event, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. It's got absolute main event vibes um, and good good on them for getting us back into it. Um, we did have the, the, you know, we talked about earlier, the Usos against Shinsuke Nakamura and Riddle, where Nakamura and Riddle got the win via DQ uh, when Jimmy ended up hitting Riddle with his uh, scooter. Um, so they now get the title shot because even though they only won by DQ, we assume that that's going to be added to the pay-per-view. Um, on Sunday. So maybe they'll add it this Friday on SmackDown? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think probably they'll save that announcement for SmackDown this Friday. Um, Again, it just... I mean, I think I said we talked about it on the previous podcast. It just felt like Nakamura wasn't at the level of the other participants in the match. He was slightly off on a few moves. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we'll see see what happens at the pay-per-view. You know, there's no point. We've, We've spent enough time talking about... Yes. The potential for this feud. And it's up to Nakamura now, Kenny, to deliver. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, who I thought had a really fun 10-minute match on TV. And I was very pleased to see Liv Morgan get a win here because I think, you know, we're all kind of caught up in Rhea Ripley being in the faction. But I think Liv Morgan getting a win here um, is actually really good for her. It kind of puts her as kind of a player in this story for the six-person tag on Sunday. And obviously we saw they run out at the end. Uh, but yeah, I thought Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley uh, did a good job this week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I mean, you're right. Morgan absolutely needed the win. She'd been, she was humbled by Rhea earlier in the month. Um, there was a distraction at the end, the commotion at ringside involving Damian Priest and AJ Styles. And so Ripley kind of had the excuse for... Uh, being surprised by Liv is kind of a fluke pin. But I think everything that led to the pin was well done. It felt like a very professional match between these two. You know, I think Britt Baker, if Britt Baker and Ruby Soho had had a match half as good as this, they would have been doing backflips. You know, they would have been (laughs) elated. I think these two really put a professional, skilled match together here. Uh, Finn Balor came out afterwards. It was a big... Um, scrap afterwards it looked like Damien Priest was going to nail Liv instead Finn arrived he made the save and then Liv Morgan nailed Rhea Ripley with a drop kick from the top rope so yeah I thought it was I thought it was really good I'm hoping actually for a baby face win at Hell in a Cell on Sunday I'm not sure if we're going to get one um, I'm still still trying to get my head around this Judgment Day faction and why it's not working as I'm sure many other people are yeah, it's the it's the, the edge wasn't there, was he? He was not. No, in t- no he's just he's too busy on Instagram t- uh, posting pictures of people who might be the fourth member. Um, <laughs> and then and then the the bizarre thing is the main event of Raw was a contract signing for the handicap match with Lashley against MVP and Omas. I mean, they might as well have just said see you next week at the beginning of this. Because I was baffled that this was the I was like. 
this can't be them. And then I was like, maybe something happens. Maybe like, I don't know, Goldberg returns and takes Omas's spot or something, but no. I mean, maybe someone else walked out and they just haven't told us yet. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not really much to write home, but, but I mean, we're, you know, we're on the road to hell in a cell. Um, it'll be, a, you know, it'll be a, I think in, in the ring, I'm sure it'll be fine on pay-per-view, but you, know, you got you got a feel for the crowd in Chicago who have sold out that venue and doesn't really feel like they're getting a big show. Doesn't really feel like they're getting a... a no, no. I, I mean, you've got to look on the bright side, Kenny. I mean, Cody and Seth's going to end this Sunday. Yeah. I think Omas versus Lashley is going to end this Sunday. So it does feel like some of the feuds are drawing to a close. I think Styles and Edge ends this Sunday as well. I mean, they cannot prolong this any further, please. Do you think? So, do you think Balor's? Do you think Balor's going to end up being the fourth member, and that's how it ends? They just beat the baby faces. Could yeah, I would not be opposed to that uh, outcome, and I think that would be, I think that would be a good move for Balor. He would I mean, fit as the demon in Judgment Day for sure. Exactly. And maybe more people will be interested in the faction if he joins. I think he would add more star power to it than, say, Champa would. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think Champa's doing all right with what he's been given. He had a match on the show with Mustafa Ali. Theory was on commentary. Um, and the tip was here that if Ali won, he would receive a title match, US title match with Theory, who was on commentary. And Theory attacked Ali, so Ali did one one by DQ, and then Theory beat down Ali. Did you see that bum that Ali took into the ring post? Looked tremendous, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did look good. It and then uh, good. Theory demanded that the title match begin immediately. Theory won that, and then Adam Pearce came out and said, "Hold on, you know, uh, Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, that says is you know admired the way that you've gone about certain things, but he feels that there should be a fair match. So we're going to get Theory versus Ali in a straight one on match, one on one match with no." extras or diversions or impediments for Ali at Hell in a Cell this Sunday. So I'm, I'm not expecting Ali to win, although he did mention that the show was taking place in his hometown. He did acknowledge that in a later angle on the show in which Theory attacked Ali. So they could potentially be setting up a title change. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Ali to have a short run with the belts. No. Um, and, you know, that would be a reward for him coming back. I still haven't explained why he left. I'm not expecting an explanation now. I think we've passed that point uh, where <laughs> an explanation could be issued. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that would please a lot of people if Ali were to win the belt this Sunday and hold it, even if it was only for a short time. Uh, well, let's move on to some news. Um, I did want to bring up that um, you know WWE uh, announced last week that they would no longer be holding money in the bank at Allegiant Stadium. It would now be held, as Michael Cole said on SmackDown, in the intimate setting of the MGM Grand Arena. Um, the advertising seems to have changed. Roman Reigns is no longer on the poster. I think they'd sold 17,900 tickets. Um but the MGM Grand only holds 17. So now, um, you know, they've refunded everybody and everybody has to kind of try again to get tickets. Um, do you think Roman Reigns is still a part of it now that it's now an arena show? Uh, any thoughts on the show? I mean, to me, the, the big thing that they hopefully take away from this is I'm not surprised that Money in the Bank has not sold more tickets because what have they done on TV to get as excited for what's going on right now? You know, so... To me, if you're going to be doing stadium shows, you need to be building stuff up that people are really excited about. 
and outside of like SummerSlam and WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, they haven't been doing that. So I think, you know, if you if you build things and, and there's things in the works, then maybe, you know, you'll get 25,000 people buying a ticket to the stadium show. But to me, it wasn't a huge surprise that they hadn't sold the tickets for it. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're announcing that it's going to be held in the intimate confines of the MGM Grand Garden Arena, um, which I don't even think the capacity is 17,000. I think it's smaller than that. I mean, I think I think it's about 12,000 maximum capacity. So, um, by you know, it must be frustrating for all the people that had bought tickets for the stadium and they're going to be re- they're going to receive refunds and then they've, they've got to buy tickets again. I understand how why they've got to do this. At least they've done it. At least they've done it with a little bit of advance notice. This hasn't happened like the week before. Yeah. That's the best thing I can say about it. But you're right. I'm not surprised either that they haven't been able to fill the stadium for a match that's really been sold on the basis of the money in the bank matches. I mean, they will be the draw, won't they? So um, I don't know whether they're going to bother booking Roman Reigns on the show or not. I mean, I think they should. I think they should really be taken as a message. WWE should receive this message loud and clear from the public that people are not that inspired and not willing to buy tickets to see the product that they're putting out at the moment and they need to jazz it up a bit. I think Mm -hmm. they absolutely need to do that. They need to start bringing some people up. I know they brought some people up from NXT post-WrestleMania, but I think they could do more. I think they could do more to energize the product. Um, They could start dropping hints that Brock Lesnar's returning. I mean, Roman Reigns hasn't, has he even defended the belt on TV, Kenny, since he won it? Nope. No, he ha- no, he has not. We haven't had anyone really talking about becoming Universal Champ. I mean, okay, Riddle has mentioned it. He's mentioned, you know, wanting to get even with Roman Reigns, but there isn't really that big sort of push towards the Riddle versus Roman Reigns title match yet. I mean, Drew's not allowed to talk about it because presumably he's going to face Roman in Cardiff in September. Orton's selling this injury, so I imagine when he returns, he'll be he'll be pursuing the title, but he's not there at the moment, and it just sort of feels like Roman Reigns isn't really doing a lot with the belts. In fact, he isn't doing anything with the belts, and this is what I feared would happen when they announced this. I was like, well, what's the point? You know, you need these belts to be in circulation. They need to be active. And now they're sort of effectively dormant because Reigns isn't there. So, no, WWE should not be surprised by this outcome at all. I mean, highly predictable, really. I think I don't think it's unfair to say that WWE is taking its audience for granted at the moment. I mean, I don't dislike what they're putting out. I think a lot of it is very entertaining. You know, generally, I enjoy WWE at the moment, but I just think it could be a hell of a lot better than it is. I know I've said that before, and I apologise for repeating myself. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, with one show being uh, moved, another show is cancelled. The World... Sorry, the Wrestling Entertainment Series show that is due to take place this weekend at Nottingham's Motorpoint Arena is not taking place. No, I can't believe it. But the strangest thing is, Fight TV, where tweeting out about it last night saying, you know, buy it now on Fight TV, to which Chelsea Green, who's one of the participants on the show, responded saying, actually, it's cancelled. But tickets as of now are still on sale for this weekend. Mm. It is, I mean, 
if you look up the definition of a shit show, this is probably it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got fight promoting it where people are buying the pay-per-view. I mean, probably not a lot, but you know, a good eight or nine people across the world have probably bought it. And then you've got people who are, you know, families who are maybe buying tickets because they want to go see Braun Strowman or something because their kid likes them. And then you've got one of the wrestlers saying, actually, it's cancelled. Like, what is going on? I don't know. There was that line in Cool Hand Luke. You know, what we have here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> a line that Roddy Piper used again and again in his promos. Yeah. And I often wonder where it came from. And I finally watched the Paul Newman movie Cool Hand Luke, and it was used in that. Tremendous movie, if you haven't seen it, by the way. Um, but yeah, we talked about this. Was it two weeks ago when he was <laughs> three weeks ago or whatever it was? And we just expressed, you know, just bewilderment. We were mystified by the whole thing. It's like, why didn't you contact us earlier about this? So we could have possibly publicized it. Why weren't you putting people up for interviews? Why weren't you getting the publicity out there months ago why weren't you communicating with people who could potentially help you sell tickets i mean you probably wouldn't have sold that many tickets regardless <laughs> if you've done all those things but you would have done better than you did and i mean i can't say i blame them for cancelling this whole thing i mean how does it work kenny on on airplane tickets well do you think they'll get refunds on those tickets or not probably not I mean, how I much mean, money must have been sunk into this? I mean, the thing is, how anyone in their right mind can think this wasn't going to be the outcome? I mean, at least, at least, I mean, the fact that I'm about to give Five Star Wrestling a compliment shows you how bad this is. At <laughs> least Five Star Wrestling advertised what they were doing ahead of time. And they, you know, they had time to promote it a little bit. They had you know, Rey Mysterio promoting it and stuff. But, I mean, this was three weeks' notice and no wrestler has done any media to promote any of it. Yeah, in fact, the only person who seems to have mentioned it is Chelsea Green. And that was in the... Uh, <laughs> that was after the fact and after it had been cancelled. Um, Madness. Just, I mean, what, can you, what more can we say, Kenny, about this? And um, I think we should just move on. I mean, I just think it's... It was also predictable that this would happen. And um, I don't know who put money up for this, and uh, but I'm sure they wished that they hadn't. Um, well, let's move on to you. You briefly mentioned it on the main podcast. So I want to give you the platform to you know, open up about it a little bit. Uh, Tony Khan, he didn't have a failure to communicate on the post-show media scrum after Double or Nothing. He was asked about Eric Bischoff's comments, which, I mean... The, the comments, you could read them as ridiculous because Eric Bischoff said that basically CM Punk is the biggest flop, financial flop in pro wrestling history, which, I mean, is not going to be the case. But um, Tony Khan was asked about this and he had a pretty fiery reply thing. Well, he did, yeah. He was, I mean, he was, and there's lots of F words. He was swearing repeatedly, which never comes across well if you are a company owner or exec or president or whatever. I mean, I just don't think there's any need for it. And that's partly why I never swear on this podcast. I just don't feel like it's necessary. And um, I mean, just that clip that I shared on my Twitter and it's widely shared and people were just, just astounded. And if you watch it, Kenny, with the sound off, it's even wackier. And see a box reaction to Tony's comments. It's just hilarious. 
it's, this is going to go down in history as, as it's going to be like, you know, the famous, it was the famous Bob Costas interview, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, which Vince not the, uh, tried to not the, uh, the paperwork, you know, the clipboard out of Bob's hand. <laughs> I mean, to me, this is destined to, to, to be, to rank alongside that for just this bizarre sort of emotional act of emotional incontinence. And it's just like, it's just raging. It's just like, get hold of yourself. You know, it's just stop reacting to people like Eric Bischoff. Eric would have been watching that thinking, oh my God, you know, what's this guy doing? He's just lost the plot here. He's just gone off on one. It's like, he's the boss. You don't respond like that. And he's then he's banging on about how they won the Friday night war. When, what did, what was it? Smackdown and was it Rampage or was it Dynamite? Went to head to head one Friday night or part of it did. Yeah, it was when WWE had added the, 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 they added the time on to try and go against Rampage and Rampage, I think, one in the demographic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that cool. that's what but I mean the whole Friday night war thing. I mean the way that, that said insinuates that you had more viewers, which you didn't. So it just becomes this weird yeah it's it's just I mean I think Tony Khan is is basically doing what Vince McMahon thinks but never does. Yes. Absolutely. I mean I understand him praising and complimenting his new champion, but he should have really left it at that. He should have just stuck to that. There was no need for him to go off on this big rant. Um, you know, it's, I mean, just like, what was it, earlier in the month, he appeared on the uh, the podcast with, with Swerve Strickland, and uh, he'd said that, that uh, AEW was the number one promotion in the UK. And I wrote about this in the latest What Else Is Going Down, and I described Tony Khan as, delusional and egotistical <laughs> and uh, which i absolutely believe he is i mean okay dynamite is drawing more viewers than raw or smackdown are because dynamite is on itv it's on freeview and raw and smackdown are on bt sport which is subscription only right and now if he just simply said that dynamite is the most watched and raw rampage is the most watched uh, wrestling TV program in the UK, no one would have objected to his statement. Absolutely right. But if you if you go about like 10 years, remember when um, TNA was on, it was on Bravo, wasn't it? Yes. Years ago. And that was routinely outdrawing Raw or SmackDown who were on Sky at that point. And uh, I remember somebody in TNA saying, is this true, Finley? <laughs> um, you know, that TNA is like drawing more viewers each week than WWE is. Um, and it's like, yeah, it is because it's in more households, and so people can watch it for free. And um, so, yeah, it is out. It is out drawing WWE on television. But <laughs> as far as I know, TNA never tried to claim that they were the number one promotion in the UK, and they ran a lot of very successful tours of the UK. I mean, their largest ever audience was drawn in London at Wembley. Um, you know, Kurt, I think it was Kurt Angle's first trip over. And it was a very well-received tour. That would have been 20, sorry, 2007, I guess it would have been, or 2008. It was the, the early two, January tour that year. And I know it did really well. But yeah, TNA was never, um, you know, so delusional as to say out loud that they were the number one company in the UK, because of course they never were. And obviously aren't even on TV over here anymore. Um, but yeah, Tony's 
he needs to, you know, have a post-mortem here, go back, review, and just not put himself. If he's inclined to, to behave like that and act like that and say things like that, he should not put himself in that position. You know, and no doubt it was the adrenaline was buzzing after the show. He's probably thinking we put on a hell of a pay-per-view. It's done really well at the box office, which it did. It's done really well on pay-per-view. It's done really well on the streaming services. And he was, you know, really hyper. You know, I understand that. You know, when you put together, I always remember when I put out a good issue of Power Slam and it sold really well. You on this amazing natural high. I'm sure you would get that. I've had that many times, Kenny, after putting on a show that's done well, and you know that yeah. the show's been very well received. You know, it is, it's it's you know greater than you know, it's great. I'm sure it's greater than any drug. It's just this amazing feeling that you've succeeded. So I do kind of understand where Tony Khan is coming from, but he's old enough now and he's been doing this long enough now that he should not be behaving like that in a public forum. Would you agree with that, Kenny? Yes, yeah, I think I think I under I, like you. I understand where his passion's coming from, but I mean, I think because if you also set the scene, so the show had went on till mid till uh, well, it would have been, I guess, in Vegas, it would have been they're eight hours behind, so it would have been uh, what nine thirty p.m. So then you had all this media who went to this scrum, and apparently there was like. It was like an hour till that started. And then they were the media were there for two hours for this scrum. And I think someone had asked them a question um, about um someone had asked them a question about the show length, and apparently he just was very defensive about it. And um, and then so, somebody wrote something, uh, an account called Trevor Dane. And I thought it was just worth reading this out actually. Um and, I, and I'm actually, I am part of this problem, so I'm not saying that I'm any better. Um, but, uh, yeah, so here's what he said. He just said, um, I know I joke on wrestling media, and I realise it's far easier for some dip, dipshit like me to make jokes and criticisms rather about people who actually work in the ring um, and work covering it than it is to actually do these things, but that scrum does not reflect well on AEW. From a room of reporters patiently waiting for an hour plus for Tony's solo section to ask about the biggest story of the day, which is MJF, to zero pushback on attempts to get info when he says he won't talk about it, to letting him ramble on forever. Tony, when he wasn't talking about learning about Bill Watts' history of violence as a child, did hint at big nuggets that could have been mined. He talked big about well, how well the, tor- the Warner talks went. No one drilled in for specifics. He rambled about working with Ghetto. No one follows up. I saw a hockey reporter tweet how Tony's presser was so different than media he's used to seeing that it was like a room full of friends. That's yeah. not how it's supposed to be. It's, suppo- it's not supposed to be the subject holding court as everyone laughs and indulges him. It was a bunch of in-jokes and, hey, I just did your podcast. And people awkwardly chuckling as Tony relived 2019 in excruciating detail and would not let go of the one question he received all night that even vaguely bordered on criticism. Um, I feel guilty because I didn't say all the names, but props to the three reporters who actually did ask good questions. Um, yeah, he was like, you know, the point is these media scrums shouldn't feel like a group of friends throwing a party for someone who just had a big game. They should be slightly adversarial and uncomfortable. And I thought that was a really good way to put it. Because Tony Khan does have a history. You know, when somebody asked about the length of the show, I was on a media call where somebody asked him about what else he's going to do for the women's division. And he said that he thought he was due credit 
for the NWA's Empower show because he sent someone and says he doesn't get enough credit for women's wrestling. Yeah, I remember that. He needs to just learn to, like, if somebody criticizes you, you have to allow the criticism to come in. You can respond, but you have to allow it. Because if you don't, then what you're basically doing is saying, right, come in, speak to me, but don't say anything negative. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can't handle a criticism and you don't cope well in those scenarios, situations, those environments, don't put yourself there in the first place. You don't have to. You don't have to do this. And it's like if, well, there again, you know, he's got these people there that have, the term is captured. They've effectively been captured by AEW because they've been granted all this access and they've become too close to AEW to really be critical of it. And there's obviously lots of that goes on in, in pro wrestling, not just when it comes to coverage of AEW, other companies as well. I mean, I remember back in the day in ECW, you had people who covered that promotion and they'd been granted access and they found it very difficult to criticize really anything ECW did. Um, or if they did, it was always very done in a way that they knew that it wouldn't upset, the t- they wouldn't upset anyone in ECW. So they would maintain, you know, that access to them. And, um, and that's, you know, that's something that you have to be, you know, when you're covering pro wrestling, you've got to be allowed to criticize it. Otherwise, you're essentially a fan. I mean, I always remember, you know, back, back in the day covering British wrestling. And if we covered British wrestling, we were critical of it. A lot of people in British wrestling couldn't handle it. They just could not deal with it. The big companies could. And I always thought that was the difference between a big-time company and a small-time company was how they would respond to criticism of their product. I will say, actually, I can mention this by name, Silver Vision. They were, when I was running Power Slam, they were our best advertiser throughout the history of that magazine. And they never once tried to influence our reviews of WWF stroke WWE VHS, DVDs, Blu-rays. Never, ever did that. And I massively respected uh, Silver Vision for that. And they would continue advertising with us even when we, when we absolutely blasted some of their products, you know, which obviously were WWE DVDs. Um, you know, there were obviously times we would give DVDs were one-star reviews. And it would sometimes get mentioned, oh, you didn't really like that DVD very much, did you? And but I don't think they were ever trying to influence our coverage of their product. Uh, and they were obviously delighted when we would give the DVDs like a four or five star review, and that would be mentioned as well. But my point is, is that they could take the rough with the smooth. And if you're a professional, you're a big time player, you have to be able to do that. You absolutely do. And if you can't, don't put yourself in a public forum where it is obvious that you cannot deal with it because it reflects really badly on you and it just makes you look like a fanboy. Amen. Well, listen, that is all the time we've got for today. We will be uh, having an overrun over on Patreon this weekend, so we hope you check that out. And Finn, I hope you enjoy your weekend, wherever you're getting up to. Yeah, well, it's the Queen's Jubilee, isn't it, this weekend, Kenny? Well, Thursday and Friday, two days off. So um, I'm not really a big royalist, but um, I'm going to enjoy the celebrations. I don't really have, you know, anything against the royal family. I think they bring a lot of tourism to the country. I know some people don't like them. I know some people really do like them. I'm kind of in the middle, but I'm going to enjoy myself. So I'm looking forward to it. What have you got planned, Kenny? Uh, Well, quiet, quiet, because obviously we've got the... uh... 
uh, got the holiday coming up, but I am going to see Mamma Mia at the theatre on Friday night. I bought a ticket for a friend pre-COVID, so it's finally coming. So it'll be, um, you know, positivity thing. <laughs> I have um, seen both of the movies, so yeah. I haven't seen the stage show. But well, is there like 18 or 22 ABBA songs in it or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth it just to see Piers Brosnan sign SOS. But anyway... Um, we want to thank you for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.